You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Jake looks like he's struggling so hard with the uh, computer. Well, I mean, even as computers make our lives easier, they make them harder. So He looks like me trying to read a book. <laughs> I thought you weren't in the Marines, Nacho. Uh, I looked at pictures. Ah. All right. And made pictures with crayons. <laughs> well, you didn't eat the crayons? Oh, that was after the picture. Ah, fair enough. Welcome, everybody, to the final episode of 3DMs, and at the end of the show, we're going to announce our new name, because we're going to we're gonna soft reboot this bad Jackson today. I am Jake. We actually have the appropriate amount of people in studio for uh, the branding that we do have. Yeah, we yeah. got a full 3DMs front. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm, Two weeks it. in a row. I know, right? <laughs> Two it's, weeks in a row. It's almost like I wasted money on huh. graphic design. Oh, so, my God. How y'all doing? What? Well, the man is back from the dead. Clint, what the fuck? Uh, Wait a minute, where's, uh, uh, where's the hard cam? Where's what? 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 What chair do I sit in? Uh, you sit at the end, Chief. Uh, all right, jeez. All right, I'll scooch in. Wait, way to just screw everything up. <laughs> so, what is this? Uh, a, a special edition? Then I guess we're uh, we're running a. I guess it's four, four DMs. Four deep. Well, never mind the branding. Uh, Thanks branding a lot, Clint. You ruined it. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, you yeah, ruined the current branding auspicious day yeah. where we have uh, all our dms are back yeah we have the og crew back together look at that how, i had to make it back for the finale <laughs> how delightful it's only been what 40 episodes since you've been here not quite i think the last one i did was 12 so this will be 37 37 <laughs> 38 yeah, an entire year pretty pretty yeah. close pretty close a full season and a half basically <laughs> Oh, we're glad to have you back, Clint. I am uh, so glad to be back. It is nice to have you. Okay, but we have a lot to talk about today, and that is dragons. Because Scaly uh, Boys. You know, yeah, we've been... Uh, we've already talked about dungeons, so... Yeah, I know, and it's like we've been putting off this conversation for a long time. So, let's get right into it, boys. Um, dragons, they are on the damn book. Okay, this isn't called Mazes and Mind Flayers. It's Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, I thought we were playing Tunnels and Trolls. Mm. I do like Tunnels and Trolls, though. But. See? Dragons. The Draconomicon. Um, the Mind We came prepared this yeah, we brought, episode. We brought Somewhat, a bunch right? of books. But let's get right into it. So, what you have in Dragons is a fascinating creature uh, that is going to be used in damn near every campaign setting for a couple of reasons that should be fairly obvious. Your biggest and oldest and meanest of dragons are going to have more wealth, uh, more influence, and more power than most small countries in your setting. They are a one-being, one-entity sovereign nation unto themselves. And, uh, you know, when your breath attack does 96 damage with a Oof. DC 24 deck save to take half of that, Ow. Uh, you can kind of just run your own <laughs> damn show. So uh, let's talk about actually getting dragons in your game, getting everything established a little bit and having, you know, just getting the most mileage you can out of one of the most impressive monsters in all of Dungeons and Dragons. We've got another suggestion for a title for uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Cats and Catacombs. Nice. <laughs> Love it. Uh, for the it. record, Tunnels and Trolls is in fact an actual role-playing game. It was released almost immediately after Dungeons and Dragons. There you go. The more you know. <laughs> the Burger King of D&D. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Burger King. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway. That was pretty good. So, so let's 
hop right into it because there's a lot of ground to cover. Uh, and the very first thing we're actually going to talk about today is the ecology of dragons. Uh, and we're going to try to sprint through this as po- uh, quick as possible because we don't want to get boring. But there is a lot of very interesting things. Uh, that, a lot of questions. A lot of questions that pop up. Uh, because, okay, anybody who's flipped through a monster manual has seen the raw uh, sex that is a stat block associated with a dragon. It's got a lot of HP. It's got a lot of sharp. It's got good saves and everything. It's got good saves. It's got sharp bitey bits. Um, they're very hard to deal with already. And on top of that, if we look at just a general world, like they're big monsters that are very intelligent. And they have a whole lot of impact on the world. Uh, and so when we look at those little things, there's a lot of shit you got to figure out for your campaign setting if you're running a homebrew setting. Number one that comes out, how many of them are there? There are ten varieties of dragon just included in the book before we even get to off. You yeah, know. I think there's a monster variety of – so there's a variety of dragon for every color under the sun. So we're not going to cover all of the homebrew ones. But the usual five chromatic and five metallics, the ones we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, so beforehand, when we had all these, you know, different, you know, other types of dragons and, you know, everything got reduced down, uh, like Dan mentions in the comments here, you know, the Mercury dragon um, and, you know, getting dragon certain dragons off the list. What we got is the chromatics and the metallics, uh, rifling them off really quick. Red, white, blue, green, black, and then we hop over to the metallic side, and we've got gold, silver, bronze, copper, and brass. Okay, so we got ten dragons. Each of these are all big, intelligent monsters. Where's my tin dragon? We've got copper dragons. We're making brass dragons? Come on. Yeah, we do need a tin dragon. Semantics. (laughs) Semantics indeed. Um, They need food. Let's talk about food. Really. Yeah, this is a lot of food. Um, if you've been following us on Twitter, uh, which we've gotten better at, I swear, um, I did, as I was putting together notes for this episode, uh, and this is just kind of going to lead off the whole ecological effect that dragons would have, uh, I tried to figure out how much food a dragon would need to eat. Uh, Nacho, if you could be so kind to pop open the Draconomicon and find the weight tables. They're right in the beginning of the book listed for every different oh, dragon. Jeebus. You so. gave Nacho a book. <laughs> Come on, Dragon's body. You learned how to five. read from D&D books, man. Yeah, but still, too, this but... is a lot of words. <laughs> um, External anatomy. Not enough pictures. So, <clears throat> sorry. The, the old books had a lot more pictures. Yeah. There's a lot of, it's a 3-5 book. You should be okay. So, when we look at the body weight of a dragon, uh, general rule of thumb for most things that eat, which is everything, um, they need 1% to 3% of their body weight to meet all of those calorie intake needs, you know, to get hmm. to get that, to keep their muscles going, to, you know, keep the body. And dragons certainly are muscular. They don't skip wing day. Yeah, and no. dragons generally weigh a lot because they're pretty big. At their largest... Um, We're going to ignore the square cube law for now, okay? Just put it aside in your yeah. heads. At their largest, uh, red and gold dragons, according to the Dragonomicon, which is, you know, as close to official as I can find... Uh, they weigh in at their largest, they weigh 1.28 million pounds, Oof. which means yeah. if we do the math really quick, that is about 12,000 to 38,000 pounds of food that they require. That's a, that's a big boy. Still, I'm still trying to find that's the That's a really table. big boy. Um, it should be under. Do you want me to take a look at it? Yeah, right. you take a look. Right, take over for you, Nacho. Uh, Commentation. But uh, with most other dragons being about 160,000 pounds at their largest size. That is, again, uh, you know, probably about 150 pounds of food they need a day on a fairly Dragon's regular and consistent basis. Adam in the comments actually makes a pretty good point here when we're talking about food intake. If we're going – if we're getting, you know, meta about how much food these guys really need, uh, he said it as, as a zookeeper, he cared for uh, Komodo dragons and depending on if they were warm or cold-blooded – would de- would impact how much food they need. That's yes. a good question. Are dragons warm or cold-blooded? And uh, I actually, that was there in the physiology. Some yeah. The true dragons are endothermic. I well, 
The lesser ones are ectothermic. Yeah, guys, yeah. Paul is holding a three five book in his hands and isn't bursting into flame. Hey, that's one of the good. Look, ones. I played <laughs> I played a lot of three five back in the day. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean I don't understand it. Okay. Yeah, and I didn't realize that the weight of a dragon was not under the physiology of a dragon. No, it's under the individual sections, and it varies from dragon to dragon for some reason. Yes, gold oh, yeah. dragons well, weigh I mean, over I, a million pounds. I guess that, that makes that, sense that, though, because some dragons are going to be bigger than others. Yeah, yeah that's I, why we love. Three, five. It, it looks like <laughs> looks like red, gold, and silver dragons can go to Colossal, but everyone else only goes to Gargantuan Ooh. for reasons. Yeah, uh, back when we had for Colossal. reasons. Let's but let's stick with the main point here. Okay, yeah, we're going with the assumption that they are endothermic, that they have a high metabolism because they are a very intelligent creature, and that they are warm blooded. Even the white dragon is still technically warm blooded; it just runs a little chillier than most. And so, what does that mean for your campaign setting? Um, you have incredibly intelligent tyrant lizards that can fly that require a shit ton a of lot sustenance. Of food. Um, you said one to three percent of their body weight. Yeah, one to three percent of their body weight. If it's a normal, if it's one of the smaller ones, that's only like you know at worst. Uh, let's see, what's one percent of about sixteen hundred pounds of food? It today? was one hundred and sixty. Yeah, thousand pounds. One hundred sixty thousand pounds. So at their largest, yeah, they only need only need about sixteen hundred pounds, pounds of food, food a day. Um, I mean, how much does a cow weigh? A cow weighs like what? Better part of eight hundred pounds. Yeah, I Easy. think it was six to eight. So yeah. you need three average three cows a day. This is where suddenly this problem becomes astronomically annoying because okay. cows just don't grow that fast. You don't you don't grow livestock on trees. I mean, you kind of do, but that's a well. Whatever. Let me get to the next Again, step. Because semantics. That's one dragon. You need to have to have a viable breeding population for dragons about 500 that is closely monitored to make sure there's not an incest uh occurring in the thing yeah if, but we're, I, I, if we're if we're speaking strictly genetically yeah to to reduce the inbreeding factor to the point where they could have viable offspring at least 500 i'm gonna say they're magical enough to change their genetics so you don't well, have the uh that seems 12 eyed dra- actually i think there is a 12 eyed dragon somewhere. something i learned so in never mind the show. <laughs> yeah but and billy bob the dragon Harsh. <laughs> Probably is. Yikes. Moving forward. I did not know that West Virginia had dragons. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, West hey, I got family in West Virginia. I can say it. All right. Yeah, yeah. you're also from uh, but moving the forward. blue side of Kentucky. Y'all are, making are a, not. y'all are making ecology take forever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> for what was supposed to be a sprint, we sure have putted down to yeah, a we, roll. Um, we cut out the history section unless we're getting to that, so I've got almost nothing to talk about. But. Moving forward. Okay. So with about with a rough population of about 500 dragons for each variety of dragons, unless uh, which we're about to cover in a minute, different breeding, because, yeah, dragon sex. Welcome to the show, everybody. Um, You have a massive problem of what are these things going to eat and how much control do they exert? And there's a whole lot of things that you really have to consider when putting them in your world, because like I just described, these monsters can kind of do whatever they want and they have a very uh, large calorie requirement. So. And if you have a viable population for all types of dragons, you're talking at the bare minimum for at least the ones that we're talking about today. 5,000 dragons? 5,000 of these big scaly boys that could destroy cities by just breathing. Yeah. So on the bright side, you don't have to worry about tin dragons because copper dragons ate them to make brass dragons. (laughs) Fair enough. I guess that's a way to explain it. I'm going to look this up while you guys are going over this. Do dragons like – uh, never mind. I'm just gonna. <laughs> we're not. We're not even gonna stress about what, that. At Let's, what time do dragons become old enough to have children? Uh, it's from adult to uh, in the so in fifth edition. That's from when they go to uh, juvenile to adult, which is what three hundred years. Yeah. So it's uh, three hundred years in Draconomicon. It's like hundred to three hundred years, apparently. Yeah. So they can uh, uh, they remain viable at making babies yeah. for a long. So you time. don't usually need to worry about the two million pound dragons or whatever when it comes to breeding populations but still like they can eat the better part of a cow yeah they can every eat day the, the, they'll, they'll eat multiple cows but let's move on with how we're going to handle this little breeding problem because again there's a lot of them and they're going to make babies and it's one of the it's actually a pretty when you you know granular detail that a dm needs to make it's not something a player needs to worry about but it's it's something that really can help influence your setting. Let's look at different ways that uh, dragon whoopee can occur and we can get, you know, sweet little baby dragons. Um, so I'm not really big on – it's kind of inferred in the Draconomicon and other sources that dragons have to mate with their same pair. 
meaning, uh, you know, red dragon can only make more dragon babies with another red dragon, greens with greens, golds with golds, so on and so forth. Lead to the problem that Clint mentioned that you need 5,000 dragons then to avoid draconic inbreeding. Yeah. And I like, I, I would hate to see the result of draconic inbreeding. <laughs> that seems like if dragons are horrifying, it, draconic inbreeding seems like it's No, you think you've seen worse. it horrifying. See, my solution to it is I like to think of dragons as giant fire-breathing chickens <laughs> as seen in, I believe, one of the uh, Zelda games where they lay the eggs, which then get fertilized naturally by the magic throughout the world or coming from the plains. <laughs> And this is why my buddy Logan is scared of chickens because yes. he played too much Zelda. Yeah. <laughs> mm. just well, I was going to say actually that's stuff. something you could bring up is if extra planar stuff and the planar wheel or whatever you're whatever you're calling it. I don't think we use Planescape as a default setting anymore. Um, I'm not going to say thankfully because I quite like Planescape. Uh, it's possible that most dragons aren't actually on the material plane. That's just where the dragons who can't hack it in the other planes go. Or they get bored or banished. Or- there's, there's other places for them to go um, and there is – Certain ways that you can, you know, swing everything and make everything work to have a large dragon population, but it still presents certain problems that we're going to get into in a little bit. But for now, let's look at how, uh, you know, how the sausage gets made or how the little baby dragon gets made. Um, first, you start with Barry White. Second of all, there's a couple of things you need to examine on figuring out how these little babies get made. Uh, so in case you don't want to – if you want to try to open things up so you can have a smaller dragon population, this is a personal preference of mine because, again, they're so powerful and influential that having 5,000 dragons running around your setting is a problem. Um, it's a, I think having 5,000 dragons running least. around is a problem in I think they're setting. flying around. Uh, they have giant wings. Semantics. Your world better be pretty big if it's going to house 5,000 dragons. <laughs> So how do we keep the population small? There needs to be more flexibility in the breeding. How do we get that? There's a couple of ways we can go about That's it. That's where we come in. Yeah. Um, I'm going to reference Pokemon a lot all of a sudden. Oh, Abrupt me. change, but here we go. Step one, if any of you have played a Pokemon game, which I think a lot Past of red, blue, and green, I yep. should say. Yep. Silver, gold. Uh, we were Past introduced yellow. to the concept of Pokemon sex, which is good for a growing young child to learn about how the bread gets made. They don't have sex. They go to daycare. Exactly. Yeah, and and then, then there's a baby when you get back. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Moving forward. There are, I'm now counting. There are four statements that I did not expect to hear when I woke up this morning. Well, Pokemon you're going to hear a lot more of them. One, okay? of, one of them being they don't have sex. They go to daycare. It's true. <laughs> they go to the daycare. Okay. If I do not get to finish about this before 430, I'm cutting somebody with a knife. <laughs> Moving forward. God, I missed this podcast. Dragons. Okay. So if we do the Pokemon system, here's what's going to happen. You got the mama dragon. Okay. You got the daddy dragon. Um, if we use the Pokemon system, the mom. Determines uh, the, the, the species of dragon. So yeah. if there's a mama green dragon, the baby will be a green dragon. But any male dragon can the be the father. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Also, there are IVs. But anyway. Yeah. Um, but, you know, well, it's a fun thing you can use, though, because you can definitely do some inherited traits. Um you know, mess, get under the hood and mess with the dragon. But that's, we're also going to talk about that coming down the line. That's step one or idea one is you can do the Pokemon breeding. Uh, idea two is also involving Pokemon, but I call it the Eevee method. Um, it's the one I actually use personally in my own homebrew setting. Uh, and that is the idea that any of the dragons can mate with any of the other dragons. And what you are born with is kind of a un, like defined dragon that develops uh, into a certain dragon type based on location and its personality. Yeah, we're going to talk about the weirdness of skin color determining your uh, Actually, now's a pretty good time just to have a quick segue into it because, yeah, that is very weird about dragons in 5th edition. You can determine what a dragon's actions are going to be based on its skin color, you racist. Yeah, it's like – but no, it's true. Like bronze dragons, my favorite dragons, they're all about fighting evil and helping armies and reading old military books. Blue dragons and green dragons, are, you know, like to do a lot of the lying. Blue dragons look at themselves in the mirror. Green dragons like taking slaves. Yeah, they keep it next to their Confederate flags and their gold treasure hoard. Yeah, you know, just stacks and stacks in their fucking caves. Um, you know, they all have very specific personality, at least the way it's written in the 5e book. But it actually has nothing to do with what they yeah, – their personality are and it kind of gets away from that whole nurture nature debate yeah like 
alignment is a thing we moved away from in fifth edition and for good reason. The only things that really have defined alignment are things like demons, devils, and angels. And those I can understand all being one alignment because they're literally made out of evil or good or whatever. But why should a dragon's entire personality be basically determined by like their skin color? So why are all chromatic dragons evil or selfish or whatever? And why are all metallic dragons generally selfless? There are easy answers to those questions too. Like, I think about it this way. Like beacon ducks, they're incredibly stupid. They'll poop all over everything. They'll destroy random stuff and they'll bunch together and suffocate each other because they're dumb. <laughs> Meanwhile, you have like your mallards that they don't fucking kill each other doing stupid stuff. They're able to live a functional life. So I think about it that way. Ducks. Ducks is your inspiration for dragons. Not no, well, mean, no, they were birds uh, in general. He, yes. I mean, he mentioned chickens earlier. Now we're on chickens ducks. and then ducks. You got to re-get your mic. Got to get back, Clint. You can't yeah, be yelling so loud. Yeah, for real. Uh, they yeah, I, think, I, I feel like my mic is definitely hot on that mixer. Eh, maybe a little bit. Turn down like a couple notches. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. there we there we go. Now my voice is just about at the same level. My okay, here. Let, let, let me argue my uh, position real quick. All right, hit me. So dinosaurs, we thought of them as scaly. Turns out that they got feathers. Birds are their descendants. So we already have that. Dragons have scales. Chickens and ducks have feathers. I'm getting, Clear connection. They all lay eggs. So okay, if it That's looks like a it, lot of if things, it looks though. like it could have been avian and it lays an egg, it's probably an avian. Okay, so you're saying the dragon like should be feathered like now? It's a duck. Yes, <laughs> you got a point there, Clint. All right, uh, can we get back? Yeah, let's to what we were talking about. <laughs> there is a method to my badness. Ducks. All right, moving forward. The well, Dungeons yeah, and ducks. Uh, but back to the whole. thing. <laughs> Ducklings and dragons. Rough. Okay. Moving forward. Putting a duck in a dungeon seems mean. Anyway. God, I, it is hurting cats with you two over there right now. You're <clears throat> killing me. Okay. My thing actually made sense. A little bit. Cats have nothing to do with dragons. Well, they're petty enough to be dragons. Anyway. Moving on. Back to dragon <laughs> to reproduction. Yeah. Back to baby dragons. Um, okay, next way a dragon can be made, uh, if you want to go the full magic route, this is another thing I've kind of fiddled with in my setting. Uh, ultimately went with the Eevee method. Uh, this one isn't related to Pokemon, though, and it is the true magic. All dragon, or one of the true magic ideals of doing it, which is all dragons are sterile, but dragons can make other dragons through something akin to a true polymorph spell. Um, so they take, like, a worthy individual or one of their greatest followers, and they say, hey, you, uh, you want to be my indentured servant for 50 years? Okay, how, how about you want to do that while being a dragon? You know, and Or, the, you know, something like that. The, uh, the metallic dragons obviously would choose to elevate worthy heroes, but the chromatic dragons would be looking for servants or something like that. And that's another way you can get around the, the weirdness of having their skin color determine their actions by saying that they polymorph into the dragon that best fits their personality. So, you know, there's a way you can avoid it without having the inborn problems of nature versus nurture. Yeah, but wouldn't you yeah. have had to have seen a dragon to polymorph I into a dragon? want to get to – No, because the dragons polymorph people into them. Yeah. yeah. The dragon is doing the polymorph. But where did it come from? The gods made it. Yeah. Same as everything else. Good point. What came first, the chicken or the egg? Uh, the egg because eggs were around before chickens. <laughs> had to have been. Uh, anyway. Um, I want to get to a comment though that somebody made that is actually a very good – counterpoint to some of the stuff that we were just talking about which is adam a big friend of the show who's very active in our chats hi adam uh has brought up when reading the 5e fluff they are normally raised by their parents so nurture encourages those alignments true but as a counterpoint that i want to get out there it is it's very limiting the way i see a lot of the alignment stuff done and a lot of the personality stuff done for uh the specific breeds of dragon Meaning, again, like, you know, the fact that greens just like to take slaves because it's a green dragon thing to do. And, you know, that red dragons just want to be smog, basically, is just it's just a red dragon thing to do. In the Dragonomicon there, it does state like, yeah, a lot of them raise their parents. But still, um, how many of you are raised by their parents? But how many of you are exactly like your mom and dad? I mean, hell, I'm close. I, I'm but... willing to bet that. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at, you know. Two people across the table who uh, 
you know, have parents who are a little bit different from them. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. I'm staring down at you, Clint, because I'm pretty sure if your dad ever caught us playing D&D at your house, he would, like, get a stick or something. Y'all worshiping Satan in this house? <laughs> no, my dad's not religious. He, he um I just want to I want to say real quick before I forget, um, remind me because uh, Dan just brought up, um, just commented and said, has anyone discussed the source of Dragonborn? And I want to make sure that I uh, yeah. say my note that it like what at least what we, I've done. We need to talk about that. Dragonborn. We also need to talk about half dragons because it's a, something that gets caught in the crossfire of the magical dragon creation process, which is something which is why it may not necessarily be something that would fit well in your setting. Um, I did want to add. We've got the people magic. We've got the dragons magic creating more dragons. I also want to add the um, the Iron Kingdoms sort of example. In that there is one dragon. It was created by God, and he creates other dragons by subdividing his soul into other portions of himself. But they all hate each other because they're all super egotistical, and they'd like to reduce the total gr- dragon population to one. So there ain't any more dragons. So it's Dragon Highlander. Yeah. So they're more but focused with cancer on dragons. they're more focused on each other than they are anything else, yeah, which is going to end up getting like further on into the show when we start talking about dragon yeah. politics. They yeah, don't care about each other. They, uh, they care about each other. They don't care about humans. They use them as like armies to distract each other. So, um, yeah, let's. Uh, but wrapping up ecology really quick because yeah, because that is also a very important thing to you'd have to address really quick is with the half dragon problem is that they can mate with anything is the implication uh, humans can mate with anything uh dragons can mate with more than humans can yeah you ever half uh half red half dra- dragon is a template that can be applied to anything half red dragon troll anybody <laughs> my personal favorite is the dracatar which is a dragon lower body with a reptilian humanoid upper body that's my favorite half dragon that's exciting that's I don't like that. Did I tell you about the time that I had a half-dragon donkey because a green dragon got real desperate one day? He's from West Virginia. Okay, so that was bad. <laughs> that was <laughs> so, so, so we're stealing lore from Shrek. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I was bringing exactly. something up. Half donkey, half-dragon babies. I wait, love it. How could a, wait, how could donkey, who's a donkey, which are sterile, have... That's not mules are sterile. Donkeys aren't. Mm, true. Never mind. Anyway. Still. Yeah, we're but, not going to get into deep Shrek lore on this podcast. Yeah, but, yeah, but the Dracatar, that's a real thing from somewhere between second and fourth editions. I th- oh, I believe it. I'm I sure th- it's – I think it was third. It's probably in Monster Manual 5 or but something back like to, Okay, but let's get back. Get back on the <laughs> damn train. Um, oh, yeah, Jews, follow the train, CJ. Anyway. So f- finishing up with the ecology thing, which, by the way, we're three minutes away from 4.30. I will get my knife. Um, yeah, just a close consideration of what – could happen at any time in your setting based on the numbers and what they can do is a uh, you know just something you really need to be cognizant of as a DM because again if there's about five thousand dragons we'll put that as a as a low number uh, in your setting to keep viable breeding and that's a lot of dragons you know that's a lot of fucking dragons and that many dragons can wreak havoc on your setting so be aware and be cognizant of what you can do to maybe lower that number or keep them more in check or keep them at least spread out so that the giant clumps are not really trashing your setting. If you're really good at uh, building your world, like Uranus, it's a giant planet. If your world's that big, 5,000, they could spread out easily. Yeah, yeah, but then the gravity would also crush you because of the planet's or, big. Gravity's gravity. <laughs> not really an issue here. Um, we have something the size of a house flying. And levitate. <coughs> Don't die on me, Paul. But yeah, because magic. Let's talk about politics. Yeah. The second part of the world building suite. Hi, everybody. And maybe, Taxes. Maybe, just maybe, we'll get to combat at this rate. Um, okay. Let's talk about politics and movers and shakers and what dragons let's, let's can talk about also affect. The, uh, the dragon in the room, the elephant in the room, if you will. Why don't dragons rule the world yet in your setting? Yeah, they should. Okay. I have an answer for that for my campaign setting, and this is actually going to get into what I was uh, saying to make sure that I don't forget. Um, it, it ties in Dragonborn. So it's pretty yeah, – I, I feel like it's pretty standard. It's not like I'm, I'm claiming that I'm the first one that's ever come up with this. But at one point, dragons did rule the world. 
Yeah, that makes whether sense. whether it be that their numbers got thinned or that they had bigger fish to fry, a bunch of dragons left. The humanoids, uh, according to my lore, was you know humans, elves, and dwarves. They all united together to fight against their dragon overlords, and they were able to win independence. Um, bringing dragonborn into this, uh, dragonborn were defectors. Uh, so elves, dwarves, or humans who thought that their side was the losing side and wanted to fight for the dragons, they were turned into dragonborn by dragons to be foot soldiers. Yeah, so that's actually a good question is before we get too deep into politics to cover dragonborn because they are in fact one of the races in the player's handbook. So we do have to confront this. Do dragons make dragonborn? Is it like the original or in that Bahamut or whoever your dragon god has made them? Um I mean, it's up to you guys. I just yeah. got rid of them because they were too much of a problem. <laughs> okay, see. that's fair enough. All right, there's. I got plenty of uh, replacement strength plus charisma things. Okay, so you, I, you, you don't want me running around with breath weapons. Yeah, yeah nobody exactly. does. There also aren't many of them because a little tidbit that I pulled from a certain Matthew Colville. Uh, it's illegal to be a dragonborn due to the fact that they were defectors. Wow, that's uh, racist. Still to this, to, still to this day, by royal decree, anyone that brings a dragonborn head to any royal guard is paid handsomely. Neat. Nice. I have to steal it on myself. Anyway. Why aren't they ruling the world? I mean, sure, you have your answer of, well, yeah, humans and elves beat them back. You know, Let's talk about the – they also live for thousands of years. That doesn't mean that they won't come back. That doesn't mean that they're not going to try to take shit over again. But for now – If I live for thousands of years, I'm not in a rush. And then I'm sure by the time they're getting close to the end of their years, they're like, yeah, you know what? I really don't care. Shit, a literal (laughs) lifetime for a human is just – Chilling for dragons. They could wait generations and then take things. They wait generations a at 3 p.m. Nothing. Yeah. Let's see. I got a uh, two o'clock lay on my giant pile of gold. Um, but no, let's talk about inserting them into politics because, again, dragons, as I described at the top, are a one being nation. They drastically sway the effect of any politics you might have going on. If, let's say, we have an upstart nation going up against an old military power and the sudden, uh, you know, but there's a lot of people relying on that old military power, a blue dragon or a green dragon is going to immediately love the idea of lining up with this new upstart because the ladder of chaos that will ensue from the fall of one, you know, one military nation uh, that's protecting a bunch of other littler nations is going to just benefit the dragon. Easy money to take, easy, uh, you know, easy pillage for it, and it's going to really enforce some goals. And ultimately, an ancient blue dragon picking a side in a war is really going Pretty to decisive. Yeah, is going to really influence the war unless a bronze dragon shows up to clap back or a silver dragon or you know one of the good aligned dragons shows up to neutralize that threat. The point is it is a walking talking nuclear bomb that has its own goals and motivations and can choose a side. And if if we if we go that way of saying like if there's another dragon on the other side to neutralize it, is it really neutralizing it? Because there's still going to be hundreds of thousands of people on each side of that battlefield that are going to die at the hands of both of those dragons. Yeah, I mean, I'm just fighting back my stupid comment. <laughs> okay, Ben Franklin, American Blue Dragon. Duly <laughs> uh, noted. I thought he was going to be a red, white, and blue dragon. Uh, anyway. Um, a star-spangled dragon. Somebody yes. get on that homebrew stat block, please. All right. Um, <laughs> There's actually a Kickstarter coming out called uh, The Nation of Merca, which is a parody <laughs> of uh, current American politics. I'm pretty sure there will be one in there. Okay. Uh, I, 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 I do want to say – Jesus H. Murphy. <laughs> I do want to say most dragons have the motivation of wanting to acquire huge piles of, piles of gold because Tolkien is so influential that we can't get out from under his shadow even now. And what better way than taxes? Okay, that's a that scared off half of our viewer base. I'm just going to cut that off right there. But really, <laughs> ransacking a nation is money once. If you control a nation, you get to have that money every year. It's like what was that adage with Genghis Khan is you can kill everybody right now and get 100 bolts of silk. But if you don't kill everybody, you can get 10 bolts of silk every year forever. Yeah. And dragons think long term, so why wouldn't they be ruling nations and trying to take them over? You know, and uh, one thing I do want to address from the five e books and the stat blocks, because uh, I think it's a little weird, um, is that it, you know, it says that, uh, you know, or it's included in the abilities that metallic dragons can, you know, shape shift, change form. Um, chromatics can't, which is 
weird. We used to be able to, except for white dragons, I think. Weird. Yeah. So I kind of threw all that shit out, and I'm just like, yeah, red dragons or you know, chromatics and metallics can you know change because that uh, innate dragon thing in my setting because every person at this table has suffered through one of my favorite uh, ploys that I like to use on players, which is crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Literally, because, you know, oh, that NPC that was helpful the whole damn time was actually a dragon. Yeah, he pulled that. He pulled Actually, you pulled that on the group that I played in for like two years. Me, Tim, and Tom. Yep. One of the big NPCs that we worked with for like six months. We thought he was just like a lord and was an avid hunter and had animal heads all over his room. Well, no wonder. It was because he was a dragon the whole time. I got to say, I feel like that trope is perhaps a bit. Too often used for my taste in the sense that any dra- the, any this dude's nice. He might be a dragon. Yeah, any seriously powerful individual is probably a dragon. But I mean, that's something we're talking about right now. Is why aren't those super powerful? At least you use them. Individuals, well, dragons. I I guess the way that I would think about it is um, as far as like why aren't dragons ruling? Um, just just because you're sitting on a chair or you're not sitting on a chair doesn't mean that you're not pulling strings. I would like to think the dragons are still huge players and that's how they end up actually having their political sway and they're not actually involved directly. They're kind of the puppet masters there. No, I, I can see that. But I'm Illuminati lizard people. This Basically. Isn't, this isn't something you necessarily – this isn't like a, you should have dragons totally ruling your setting or you shouldn't have dragons totally ruling your setting. This is like if you're creating a homebrew world, why aren't they? And if they are, that's fine. Great. Dragons rule everything like in Dark Sun. I believe most nations are run by dragons. Because they live a very long time. Yeah, this is not a zero-sum game, but it is something to really consider because, again, just sprinkling them into the politics can really shape and uh, affect things because I'm – It's like a major political power player who lives forever, is incredibly powerful, and is usually a magician. Yeah. Okay, that's that's a pretty potent combination. Not to mention ridiculously intelligent strategic. Oh, yeah, and there might be 5,000 of them. (laughs) Yeah. Have fun with that. But anyway. Anyways. But wrapping up on the politics part, because I don't want to hang on this for too much longer, mm-hmm. um, you know, just a little bit final notation. I mean, you can do what you want with them. You can give them what personality you, know, you want. Not your dad. You can do whatever you want. Yeah. But. You can give, you know, give them what personality you want and stuff. But that is just it, – it's something I, you know, reckon to consider is that anybody making major moves politically or even just through sheer force of uh, capitalism and mercantile strength – uh, why isn't that person a dragon or why isn't dragons, uh, consorting with that person? Why aren't they, you know, having conversations? Uh, you know, cause after all, wouldn't a great villain be the head of a guild that, uh, conveniently all of his allies are getting, uh, you know, their caravans blown up by a red dragon? Gee, I wonder what's going Gee, on. Gee, I wonder what's happening there. I mean, it's a little straightforward, but still dragons love that mercenary life cause it's easy money. Let's talk about combat. Here's where the spicy takes come in. Are you saying we didn't already have some spicy takes? Anyway. Well, I'm no. saying for this episode. I, yeah. I wouldn't say that anything we've said this episode so far is too I've spicy. Com- I've compared dragons to chickens, and chickens. ducks, and Illuminati. So well, Illuminati kind of fits the dragons. Yeah, yeah, like the, yeah Illuminati. The, the, the lizard people. The Mongolian lizard people. Um, reptilians. <laughs> or reptilian overlords. Right. Yeah, reptilians are small time, though, compared to dragons. Anyway. Anyways, so I guess, yeah, with that preface, I'm going to deliver my spicy take. I think dragons are boring as shit in 5e as far as the stat block goes. That is a spicy take. Care to clarify? Uh, I, uh, but but we were just talking earlier about how sexy the stat block itself is. It's the actual application of said stat block. Oh, yeah. Boring. No, like, listen, um, you know, it's like a car with 1,500 horsepower. I can, um, you know, I can look at that engine and go, ooh. Boy, there is so much power, and that's just such a cool thing, and it's so useful. But I'm not going to use that car to go down the street to get a pack of smokes because it's impractical. <laughs> I don't. You sure you don't want to go at 300 miles an hour down to the gas station? Yeah, no, I, I really don't need to. Um, but what I'm, and you know, to further clarify my point, this is what I mean by I think it's a very boring stat block. Um, it's got a lot of health. It's got. Multi-attack. Multi-attack. So it's using claws, it's using teeth, and it's got its breath weapon. Now, unless you follow the rules presented in the 5th edition book, which is, you know, slap a spell block on it, um, that's all it does. It has the ancient ones have uh, legendary actions, legendary actions, and they also have uh, the fear effect. 
Um, terrifying presence. Yep, terrifying presence. Thank you. Uh, they have that going on, but those just serve to be more annoying. It's, I mean, because I'm fright, oh, frightful presence. Frightful presence is one of the most powerful abilities in the game, but not in a fun way. It's uh, players afflicted by frightful presence who cannot beat that save are going to get very okay, pissy. Very I guess I'm just quick. sitting here for the entire fucking fight. Um, but I was going to say to actually join you in that spicy take. Now that I've had my moment of incredulity, um, it's kind of a dragon's is kind of a flying brick. Like, yeah, sure, it can strafe you with a breath weapon, but outside of that, it's just going to run up to you and claw bite. It's going to bite, claw, claw at you for the entire fight. Fighting a dragon is basically the cinematic equivalent of Rocky fighting Ivan Drago. Like, it's literally just a slugfest, beat the hell out of each other, and see who stands at the end. Yeah. Now, I mean, assuming you're not fighting in an open field, which is suicide. There's a couple of things that, yeah, there's a couple of things that still spice these encounters up, like if you're fighting it in its lair, because, yeah, your alternative is to fight it in an open field, which is... <laughs> it's really dumb. You're going to get strafed by an F14, and you're using bows and arrows. Yeah, you're. Uh, I have levitate. Uh, the oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'd you like got to. levitate. So he's gonna. So he's just gonna, gonna levitate my punch wizard up there. You're gonna die. You're gonna dog <laughs> fight gonna, with a dragon. He's gonna use that bite attack and just bite you out of the sky. Yeah. No. This is like you. You Yikes. know, having one of those like jetpack water things and stuff as an A-10 warthog is just strafing you just going, no, don't worry. I've got my M-16 and I'm floating around. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you. Yeah, there is something to be said for the fact that dragons are in fact some of the pound for pound and there's a lot of pounds in a dragon, let me tell you what. They're some so. of the most dangerous foes per character level. Yeah. And, and like per CR, per challenge rating, they're also some of the most dangerous foes at their challenge ratings, which are high. They're high challenge ratings. And so... How do we, uh, yeah, how do we make this a little bit more usable? How do we make this a bit more memorable for our players? And how do we make a better game? Well, for one, I mean, I still recommend putting the spells on them. Um, even though they have layer actions. Good. Let's make them more dangerous. Yeah. Let's make them more dangerous. I'm getting there. Um, we start out with layer actions. Sure. Um, those are also more just massive pains in the asses, uh, along with their legendary actions. And again, cause they're just, they're very good at killing players. That's what a dragon does is just murder players. What was that thing you sent me like an estimate is like the average level 20 party is going to take 13 rounds to kill a colossal Thir- dragon. It's, it's, you know, depending on how everything shakes out, it's like 13 to 19 rounds, which is a long time to be fighting. By the way, I played in a game yesterday that went for nine rounds and it took eight hours. Yeah. How the hell are you going to get 13 rounds of now, combat? How many, how many players were in the party? Five. Yeah. See, that's the thing. Like, when you got five players, the nine rounds of combat is going to take a long-ass time. Well, yeah, but with fewer players, it's going to be even harder. I mean, I guess I, I guess five is pretty standard. That's pretty standard so, usually. Yeah. So how do we help spice up this fight? How do we help make things a little bit better? Um, this goes back a little bit to our ecology section that we did right at the slap beginning of the book, uh, of the show. Blah, blah. And... Uh, Looking at different traits, if they have a different genetic material and they are these innately magical creatures, why can't they just do weird shit? Um, One thing I do love about dragons is whenever a dragon can do something that is way out of the normal wheelhouse of what you would expect a dragon to do, nobody bats an eye. Because they're dragons. Because they're dragons. If, you know, to use the joker thing from the dark knight you know a dragon can do some incredible ridiculous ability and nobody bats an eye you give a troll fireproof you, you make a troll fireproof and everyone loses their damn minds uh dragons can do whatever the hell they want and it's it's to your benefit to really exploit that uh that kind of cultural blind spot we have to dragons just doing whatever the hell they want which makes sense when you go into like the class mechanics say of a draconic bloodline sorcerer where sorcerers have meta magic and can literally change magic that <laughs> you'd think that they would get that ability from dragons and dragons could do the exact same thing uh, surprise i just changed my lair i want to be a dracon <laughs> i want to be a draconic dragon blooded dragon sorcerer dragon <laughs> I mean, that's how they were fluffed, though, and uh, the, that's how they're fluffed in 3.5 and the Draconomicon. Yeah. Um, but there's there, – no, there's a lot of stuff you can play with. For example, their breath weapon doesn't need to be, you know, sacred, I don't think. Yeah, you, you mentioned in the car maybe we could just do the the sort of traditional alteration thing of giving a green dragon a fire breath weapon instead to get more closer to St. George and the Dragon Slayer and so on and so forth. You know, um, 
or why can't it just be something completely different? Uh, you prismatic know. dragons, for example, their breath attack is prismatic spray, which is terrifying. That is way. absolutely yeah. terrifying. Yes, and then There's, you have your time dragons that change time with their breath. Attack. Yeah, um, I'm not going to mess with anything that can alter time. Uh, that seems like a losing bet. There is also a fantastic list that Kobold Press made in uh, 2008, and I'm pretty sure if anybody does some uh, hard googling, they can find more alternate breath weapons. But Kobold Press did make one that's uh, you know a hundred different variations on a breath weapon. Some of them are very funny, like uh, breathing a pack of horny monkeys out of its mouth, um, which is terrifying in its own right. But then there's a couple of them that are like just downright scary, but in a player affecting way. Like imagine a ancient blue dragon um and instead of using its lightning it has another breath attack that removes magic from magical items rust monsters on steroids and a good way to make your fighter completely useless also another uh one of the things i actually brought up when you and i were talking last night jake is when we were talking about dragons like crossbreeding and whatnot and traits carrying over from like different things is like depending on like what the matchup is if you if you really wanted to go this far with it you could kind of determine that like if we're if we're going to say that gold and red dragons are the apex of both of their sides right they, they, their yeah, they genes are going to be they, yeah they're their genes would be more dominant versus others, and you could attribute a percentile, roll a percentile die, and see how many traits carry over from each side if it were to crossbreed with a different one. That seems like perhaps a bit much work for me, that, yeah, but it, I can understand why somebody would do it. It does seem like an interesting way to add spice. That's also what I said was that's not something that I would do because that seems like way too much prep work for me personally. But like I could definitely see somebody like taking the time to do that and that could create some really, really cool custom dragons. Well, again, they're, you know, it's a very powerful individual who has a lot of sway and pull and fingers in different pies because they want to further their own goals and they have the ability to do that because they're a dragon. So really spending the time to get under the hood and make a very special dragon or a couple of dragons for your setting. Because you're not going to be fighting a lot of dragons in a given campaign. Yeah, yeah you're, you're not going to be, you know, just hacking and slashing through packs of dragons. You know, they're going to be one, two, maybe like critical role in their first season went through about five of them and they were a major villain. They also fought Vecna in that campaign. So that's you know. pretty high power. I'd probably switch over to Exalted at that point. But uh, we'll leave that discussion for another time. <laughs> do not do not enrage the critical role crowd, Paul. Um, <laughs> I do not want to deal with that grief later. But. There are other things you can do, too. I like the idea of them having strange, innate abilities. Um, one of the green dragons that I did in a game that none of you were a part of, um, I saw the lair action where it, you know, like has, by using small animals, has a sense of where things are in the setting or in its area around its lair. Creatures of the forest. Yep. Um, it's kobolds. Yeah, this one was more just communicating, like it would communicate through trees and could, you know, um, have trees you know, come to life, like basically do an awakened tree and like enforce its will and would just threaten the dog shit out of anybody who even came close to its woods. Um, if people did not obey, then the tree ant would just snatch him up, uh, tie him up with some vines and then just carry him overhead straight to the dragon's lair for snack time. Um, you know, and then it also obviously because it was a green dragon and lived in the woods, it had certain spell abilities like that rangers would have, uh, you know, tree walker uh, ability to blend in, you know, a great stealth check allowing it, even though the fact that it's a giant dragon um, to just hide and stealthily move through the forest and move around everything. Um, I really love leaning, and this is a very personal thing, but I personally really like leaning into the aspect that they are, are all unique um, fascinating creatures with very different power sources and very different power bases. And I think that by doing that, because again, you're not, you know, you're not presenting an army of dragons in most situations. You are presenting one dragon with maybe a couple of lesser dragon followers, but for the most part, you are presenting one dragon as your thing and just getting in there and doing things to make them different. I mean, applying class thing, like imagine a dragon with fighter levels. Where's your God now? A dragon with warlock levels. Well, look, extra attacks, action surge. I love action surge on a creature that can multi-attack, don't you? <laughs> um, and then dragons are also smart. Maybe it's using its environment. If you're fighting a dragon in its cave and the horde's nearby, it flaps its wings and throws a fuck ton of gold and jewels at you. 
perhaps a weapon. I mean, that's not going to feel good. Yeah, Ma- maybe ah. it's maybe it's swatting. Uh, Got to make it hail on them. The, one, the ones up top are uh, stalagmites, right? No, stalactites are up top. Okay, so like yes. whatever, it's throwing those at you, knocking them down on the party. Yeah, use the environment. Yeah, and use environment heavily. Um, it's another thing we talked about this in our kaiju episode. Um, which is one of my favorite episodes that we did, um, where, you know, when you're fighting a giant creature, the natural problems you run into with fighting a giant monster is like, if you're a fighter, hack at its ankles. Yeah. Is the monk, is the monk at one ankle and the fighter at the other ankle and they're just "Eh, eh, 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 eh," at the ankle and stuff while it's just sitting there just like, Ow. It's like a little brother trying to attack a big brother, and he's just got his hand on your forehead, and you can't reach him. Yeah, yeah. and the barbarian says, you know what? Fuck this. Jumps in the dragon's mouth and rips out its heart. Beowulf style. Uh, well, well this is what happens when dragon. you have – yeah, this is what happens when you have the level 20 barbarian with the level 4 NPCs. Oh, look at how cool and special I am. Um, but uh, there are elements that you can take from you know, video games and – movies and other things like that to add to your fights if a dragon is stomping through its lair you know having the fighter get up on its back like give the fighter advantage you know reward combat give combat don't to do things this is more of a general thing do not punish players for doing something cool and unique other than just saying i stand there in full attack by making them make multiple rolls for something because you're basically saying if you screw these up your cool and innovative thing is going to fail so you should just stand there and make your standard attacks don't do that. Like, make them make one roll if you want to make things generally more difficult than normal. But give them some sort of, like, reward if they pull it off. I was just talking to, actually, some of my players the other night. I uh, started running a, a campaign, like a little side campaign, basically. And the way that I, I put it to them was I always try to err on the side of fun. Yeah. If something if something is sweet, like, I'm going to let it happen. I let Tristan's character in the uh, game that we ran um, solidify poison from Poison Spray because he had an alchemy kit. Nice. Yeah. But because he came up with that and it was super out of the box, yeah. But when it comes to dragons and stuff like that, yeah, like they want to climb on its back. Cool, give them advantage attacks. If it's you know it's a big dragon, I mean it's what them getting to roll twice to potentially still miss on it is not a bad thing. Um, yeah, and then uh, one of my favorite fluffs I've seen was with the breath attack for the fire. Instead of just magically creating the flames, it shot. It had like uh, gas in its throat that it would expel and then light that on fire so yeah, they are uh, someone firebombed the dragon's mouth nice blew up the uh little sack of whatever the fuck yeah if that's how you want a little sack of propane that. in its mouth yeah but it's propane, propane and propane accessories well another thing to point out or another thing to put out here too um damn it this Robert. is something i've also toyed with recently i apologize ben and kelsey because they had to deal with this um i you know have one of the ideas that I really like is, okay, so there are parts of a, the dragon's cave that it can't get to because it's big, but it can shapeshift. So why doesn't it just have a humanoid-sized ass-kicking form? <laughs> still uh, has its claws and its bite. Still does its breath. You know, it's just formed itself down into basically, yeah, dragonborn size, but with all that horsepower still under the engine. Now you're just... So it's so it's reducing itself. You're, you're, you're without an, reducing itself. You're putting an engine that runs on aviation fuel on a mini bike, yeah. basically. <laughs> let, let, let's take reduce, but get rid of the negative side. Um, yeah, a little bit. I mean, because that's already what the rules state for, uh, or some of the rules state. You know, what? press F to pay respects to Ben and Kelsey for dealing with Jake. Um, <laughs> yeah, they barely survived. Anyway, but. That, I mean, that's just another thing you can do, though, to, you know, maybe spice things up and give it more uh, maneuverability, because I do find one of the bigger problems that people run into is uh, just its sheer size. It has to be in a cavern of X size or, you know, a cave or whatever, so you can avoid the strafing problem. Um, or trying to dogfight with a dragon. Like, again, best of luck. Yeah, best yeah. of luck. Although that is always a very fun uh, encounter that players love is when they get to jump on griffins and... Uh, take to the skies to fight a dragon that's always a that's a very sexy visual um let's wrap up with a couple of little things that i know we miss going through the show i want to talk about economy again really quick because all these dragons sure do love to grab money all dragons love gold because this is so inspired by tolkien that we can't escape his shadow and uh that's uh that's another impact that you're it's gonna have on your world uh just to 
sprint through that briefly. Yeah, again, dragons live for a long time. They're extremely powerful. Where's the gold in this setting coming from? Like, and the thing that the number one killer of dragons is other dragons. They love infighting. So all they do is kill each other and take their hordes because they all covered each other's bullshit. So what, you know, how much wealth is floating out there and how badly can you crash an economy by suddenly bringing a, you know, any horde back out into existence? On the flip sure side, it was a lot of money yesterday. Yeah. On the flip side. Oh, what, what was that web cartoon with the Economancer? Uh, it's a, I can't remember, but that's what I'm quoting. I'll, I'll remember it later. Yeah. On the flip side, gold dragons, uh, according to the Draconomicon, maybe a get to other kill sources. anything, wizard. Uh, on the flip side, they eat gold for <laughs> like food. Well, there's your money sink right there. That's what could stabilize an economy that just had yeah, a but ridiculous like, but amount of when, influx. But when it defecates, is it still gold? No. no. Dragons don't poop. I thought you knew this. <laughs> they use a hundred percent of what they eat. But no, that actually poses a more important problem. Kim Jong-un interview gold, style. Well, I mean, <laughs> gold is a semi-finite resource. It's a rare resource. That's why it's monetized in the first place um, is because there's not enough of it. So it has a certain amount of value. And if you have gold dragons that are just straight up eating gold coinage, then, uh, you know, what? How much gold is left? How much damage does that do to What your if they economy? poop the gold, which creates the ore that later gets mined out of other mountains. I was going to say... And it's the circle of gold. I was going to say that the elemental plane of Earth has a lot of traffic with dragons. Like, they got a tourist booth for them and everything. Um, let's see. Other final things that we wanted to cover today, but we just kind of skipped over. Yeah, just a heads up, boys. We are at the five-minute warning. I'm... We are well aware. Uh, did we miss anything major? I mean, we didn't do the history of dragons, but you can go look that up on Wikipedia. I'm not going to stop yeah, you. Dragons have been around for a long time. Long yeah. time. Every- references in Mesopotamian myth. We've got eastern and western dragons. You're not going to see a lot of eastern dragons in D&D, but you can sort of a- apply the, their tropes a, to Second metallic. edition. Second edition had the eastern dragons, which uh, went by – God, what, what were they called? Oh, we, uh, we, we didn't mention um, the – one one of a big mistake that a, a lot of people get into um that a lot of you get nitpicky about is the different types drakes well, versus wyverns versus dragons that i think that's going to be a completely different uh episode but Lung dragons i think it should be as well dragons. but i mean there there is a difference yeah um i think it might be something we'll do on youtube which by the way because now we're going to put the there we on. go now we're going to now we're going to drop the uh we're going to talk about the rebrand yep mm-hmm. talking about the rebrand drum roll um okay guys Okay, we, um, I, I'll, I run this. I run this show. Oh, I will signal. We're not. We're not the only people here. Yeah. Um, I thought Jake's just the guy who drives us here. Yeah, I know, right? And pays the bill. <laughs> Thank you, sugar daddy. Yeah, there we go. Now that's the love I'm looking for. Big sugar. Okay, no, but for uh, for all seriousness, so we have had a ton of fun doing 50 episodes of 3DMs. Um, but Thir- 13 for me. But <laughs> thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't think you showed up for the first twelve for all of the first twelve. So yeah, we'll do the math later. We'll figure it all out later. But the main anyway, point is, moving on, we had a fantastic time doing the first fifty episodes. But we want to expand. Uh, Paul and I have been working on a um, small adventure supplement that we hope to have released here by the end of the summer because we're both very busy people. Um, we're got a website that we're going to have up and running this week. We just got all the graphic cards back and I have the day off tomorrow. So guess what I'm doing? Um, web design, web design. Yay. Um, and Clint and I are also about to foray into making some stuff for YouTube. Mm-hmm. So everything is about to grow and we wanted to leave the three DMs name behind. Um, Mostly because there's never three of us as far as yeah, I there's tell. never three of us. We joke about changing the brand. Numbers are difficult. When, yeah, when you have when you have something that's as specific as three DMs, and then you know you show up and we, there's only two from most. Then of the podcast uh, what, what happened to yeah? What happened to three DMs? Then so um, now's the drum roll. We are no longer three DMs. Uh, you can find us online under the DM Vault. We are going to be the DM Vault. We are starting uh, – YouTube is going up tonight and we're going to start uploading stuff hopefully within this weekend. The next week website is going to be online by Wednesday, putting that down, um, calling that shot. 
and we are changing the Facebook and the Twitter over tonight. So if you follow us and like us on Facebook, which we love you if you do, um, do not panic when you suddenly see a new name because it's going to be the same people behind it. Just, you know, been trying to warn everybody on Facebook and Twitter often enough so we're not annoying about it. Um, but, yeah, we're changing. New name, the same flavor. Yep. Long story short, we're still going to be talking about the same type of deal. We're still going to be focused on uh, mostly DM help and uh, things like that. But we have – like for YouTube content, we have ideas for like specific like uh, series of different topics that we can cover um, and you know, just essentially branching out our presence just from live streaming to Facebook. Um, are, aren't we also changing platform? Uh, we're going to explore going into Twitch here. We're gonna, okay. We're going to dabble. We're going to – we're going to stick our toes we'll try into it. Twitch. Uh, we'll also, at least I know uh, myself, um, I will be streaming individually um, whenever that. Whenever I go live. Uh, if I'm going to be talking about D&D, it'll be in the title and just come into the chat, hang out, and it'll be just an extension of that DM's vault thing. Yeah. Um, I know that Jake talked about doing the exact same thing. And like I said, YouTube content, changing yeah. it up. Still yep. the same guys, but yeah, we're just rebranding because the three DMs is a bit too restrictive. Taking a step up, well, moving we on want up. To step up. Yeah, moving on up. There's a bunch of content that we want to take another crack at because we were either too drunk or uh, <laughs> really bad at podcasting when we took a crack at it. So I'd like to, you know, there's some stuff I'd like to take another shot at too. So I mean, yeah, this was this was the first try at any sort of content that I mean, at least. For me, I, I don't know about you guys. If you guys made other internet content, but nope, not really. Yeah, I mean, this was our first briefly. go at it, so we've gone by the seat of our pants here. Yep. So, um, what's the term? Instead of half-assing it, I think we're going to try to slide another cheek and maybe give this thing uh, just a little <laughs> bit of a full-ass push for a bit. Uh, but with that, we are out of time today. We'd like to thank everybody who has commented and joined us uh, throughout our first fifty episodes as 3DMs, but from now on, we are the DM Vault, uh, the graphic design and everything. We're going to change the banners as soon as I get home to my computer, and I can do all that from there. But... Thank you for watching, everybody. Thank you for watching and tuning in. I'm Jake. I'm Paul. I'm Nacho. I'm Clint. And this is the final episode. 3DMs, signing oh, 3DMs. off for the last time. Side note, make sure you stay safe on Memorial Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stay safe on Memorial Enjoy Day. Enjoy Memorial and, Day for those uh, of us. Two weeks from now, when we're back as the DM Vault, uh, we're going to have tactical tokens on, uh, and we're going to talk about combat specifically. It's going to be a whole episode about 80% of your character sheet. Dan, Dan just commented that I know that I know that we're running short on time, but I do definitely want to read this. He said, so many venues in Twitch. I enjoy the groups known as Legends of Adventurous and Critical Role Avantress? Show. Yeah, Avantress. Hope you get just as far. I hope we, so, too. We do, too. We love doing this, and you guys have been absolutely awesome. All right. We're over time. Finger guns. Bye-bye. <laughs>